Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest, or maybe I should say we're on their quest, to find love. I am Jen Sanford. That is the voice of Kyle Marshall, and we welcome you to this final episode of Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. So great to have you all with us, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, I have to say, all things considered. I know some people out there are probably sighing with relief. That they were hate listening to this ep- to, to this podcast for a week upon week. And here we are, 52 weeks later, one whole entire calendar year. So if you do want to go and re-listen to the whole show, you can do one a week for, for 52 weeks. It That's works right. just like that. It makes a great free gift to somebody, mm-hmm. <laughs> gifting you 52 weeks of this podcast. Hey, hon, I got you your Christmas present. It's this free podcast to listen to. That's right. That's right. It'll go all year long. I don't know why mm-hmm. you're being so negative. We had a great community that supported this podcast. Um, yeah. I, uh, I know many of them are listening tonight, and uh, I just can't say enough of my thanks mm-hmm. that they're that they're joining us and cheering us on. And well, we'll we'll get all gushy at the very end of this. Uh, yes, this we will. is this is our final episode, of course. But that does mean that we should probably do one last time a relationship scorecard. This, this is kind of par for the course, I would say, in that I don't really have a whole lot of updates to go with, but, oh, but, I, but I will try. I will try. Okay. You, okay. We all know that there's been some of this ups and downs with uh, someone that we very affectionately call Legolas. This is, of course, because he sort of emulates Legolas as portrayed by Orlando Bloom in the uh, Lord of the Rings movies that came out in the early 2000s. What, what did he do again, Jen? Meaning the, the person I'm going on dates with. What uh, You like to always bring this up, a, a big thing that he that he did. What did he do? Oh, yeah. He is, um, yeah, stood you up on your birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure did. Made plans. And then you I had went to eat there. The sad, you had to eat the sad poutine. We've all, we've all had to live through the carnage of that. I need to add salt because my tears were salting the poutine for me. So I, I of course, in a moment of weakness, I, I kind of described this here a few weeks ago. We've started seeing each other again, and things have been okay, I suppose. But we had this... Why? Just okay? Why just okay? Uh, Jen, you know, after doing this for 52 weeks, I love to get into my own head about this, because oh, I'm yeah, yeah. immediately going like, what does this look like in five years? Am I... Is this is this person going to fulfill me in five years? What happens then? What what, what are we doing? Am I going to... Gro- <laughs> am I going to pick up groceries <laughs> with this person? Is that something that would I can foresee myself doing? Is this man going to take care of me if I have to get a new hip? Which is getting closer to be the truth as I... <laughs> As I near 40. Does, the, does this man know the signs of a stroke? <laughs> you know, so, so of course, that's what I'm overthinking with. And uh, nicely enough, he did bring this up. He was very impulsive. And you know, Jen, that I'm kind of like the least impulsive person in the world. No. In certain respects. I will say, like, if I'm in the heat of something, I will push to go further. But if I'm already, like, snuggled onto my couch and someone says, let's go somewhere, I'm like, Pfft. No, no, hard pass. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, but he he convinced me. I was literally in my pajama pants. I was snuggling in because gonna go and watch a movie on my TV. And he was like, "Let's go for drinks." This was like 7 p.m. here last Saturday. I'm like, "It was 7 p.m. What a rebel!" <laughs> I know, I know, right? It's like 7 p.m. It's like, can I go? Am I legally allowed to go out as a 39 year old at 7 p.m.? Anyway, so we we head on out to Greta, which is a local place for beverages here in the city has games and all that Yum. kind of stuff very hip crowd i was the oldest person there by i'm gonna say at least a decade no, no. 
Still still in your pajama pants. Yeah, still, no. I actually got dressed up, put my makeup on. We actually sat not across from each other. He actually sat beside me oh. at the table. So that was very intimate. I thought that was very mm. nice. And he's like, I have a question. I need, I need to ask you a question. I'm like, oh, okay, oh, what, what's that? And he's like, what's going on? Where are we? What's what's happening? I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Like, it's like <laughs> the sirens start blaring. Like, I don't know how to answer these questions. <laughs> the whole restaurant suddenly just goes light. Like, it's like all the lights come so on. So I fainted. And <laughs> no, <laughs> it was a good question to ask. I actually respected the fact that he just wanted to put it on the table. Because he's like, you know, we've been seeing each other for a little bit. Like, are you still seeing other people? Like, wh- how, how is this all working? And I was like, no. Once you asked me here a few weeks ago to go, like, exclusive, I was like, great. The you know, grinder was already off my phone. All the other stuff went off my phone then, too, at that point. because easily distracted but I was, I was also like i have to be very honest with you like my toxic trait is to overthink things and then to run away when things get people get too close to me and that's where yep. i'm at right now is like we feel like we're getting too close and i feel like i need to bolt yeah very fair very fair and he's like okay well, let's, let, let's keep going and um keep communicating because the biggest thing that has been impacting i think as moving forward at any type of clip is both of us are busy and we can easily each go seven, eight, nine, ten days without communication of any kind. And that's hard to build a relationship when you're like separated so completely and then only come together like once every like week or week and a half. And we both agree to kick it up. So if we're going to try and make anything progress, we kind of have to both commit to at least push ourselves to be like, check in, see what's going on, ask each other on dates, that sort of thing, just to keep pushing it forward. So oh, that's where we're at. That's my relationship scorecard. Well, that sounds very serious. Has yeah. it been longer than six weeks? Well, technically, yes. Even with like the break that we had right when he stood me up for my birthday. Oh my God, you did it. You did it. I want horns here, Kyle. Like, do, 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 I want horns here. <laughs> uh, so con- I have the mission accomplished banner right behind me, actually. <laughs> yes, not premature at all. Um, I, that's good for you, Kyle. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud for you. I have to say this really reveals um, how much you approach things with grace and how much I don't because if he would have said to me like how do we like where are we at I'd be like well I think we can do pretty good I don't have any birthdays coming up <laughs> wow and then I'd be like oh Jesus that was my outside voice that was my outside voice that just said that <laughs> oops I'm so sorry listen it's okay to want to give this this a go but be careful that you're not falling into those old tropes of feeling like you have to do something well that you know, I maybe- think that that's also like I'm so bad at knowing if my internal voice is giving me good advice or bad advice because yeah. for so long it was giving me bad advice and so I learned it was to... giving you sabotaging advice mm-hmm. so I don't want to just run away because you know quote unquote things are tough but simultaneously it's like I don't want to waste people's time we actually had that conversation too it's like there's there's one thing to be said about me feeling it out and then deciding I don't want to go on with the relationship but I also don't want to waste your time and he was like I also don't want to waste your time like we were kind of aligned on that like if it's not going to go anywhere then we might as well just say that now and kind of separate and go our separate ways but i want to come back to this time thing around like we have to be better at texting every day says who maybe you're just one of those couples that you know goes a couple of days and doesn't chat yeah i don't think it has to be every day it's but just I don't can't think be 10 like, days is a little can't bit be a long. fortnight is what yeah you're yeah saying. exactly yeah, that's fair how do you feel how do you feel about all of this? Do you feel enthused, encouraged, excited? Well, here's the joyful, thing. I mean, this is, or do you just feel like you want to lay down? Well, well, all of the above. But the the to jump ahead almost a little bit. This is going to spoil a little bit about what I was going to lead up to into this oh, podcast as as our wrap up goes. I think one of the big things, having done this podcast now for a year, is 
whether this relationship goes the distance or not. I I feel better prepared and more like, yeah, like I I know now what I want. I think I can communicate that a little bit easier, more effectively than I could September of 2021. Hey, well, that's positive. So whether this is successful or not, at least in the next relationship or the second or third from now, I can be like, okay, these are my red flags or these these are my uh, deal breakers. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. Are we are we aligned? Cool. Let's keep going. I can just kind of filter, I think, quicker than what I was able to before. So you you know you've really run afoul with the podcast community now, right? This is like um this is like a like a total no no that now people are never gonna know. They're never gonna know what happened to Kyle and like, the story is the story doesn't end unless it's somebody date Kyle and Legolas next year. No. I mean at the risk of oversharing, this is this is a great analogy to my own sexual life because I'm really good at edging. So this is <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> so, good night, everybody. <laughs> this, oh, this is our boy. last show. Let's all <laughs> hang out. It's great. Jen, how's your how's your life going? Well, yeah, I I don't know. I I want to say <laughs> something intellectual because this is the last this is the last update for me. But you know, I've come to the conclusion that I have a chronic, almost ironic relationship with timing Mm. and i think you you know that and certainly people that listen have have called it out and i've been thinking this week about the about the issue of timing and and this is what i've come up with so many of my relationships i was the right girl at the wrong time Mm. and almost every man i've dated actually i think every every man i've dated with the exception of one returned to my life at another time and said you were the one which i think should make me feel i don't know like like validated or joyous or or, or something but i think i just want to say it like positively sucks being yeah. the one in retrospect right because it's a place that doesn't serve me at all i mean i acknowledge and i accept that i am just as bad with timing I wanted, if I would have had all my partners in a different order, I think I would have had an absolutely amazing life, right? I was with the fun guy when I was ready to settle. I was, I wanted to have fun when I was with the settling guy. I just, I always couldn't get the timing right on my side too. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't just put that on other people. That's not fair. We had it called out. So I'll, I'll mention it. Uh, J- Jesus. Who is the man mm-hmm. I went on dates with almost throughout the existence of the year of this podcast. Um, is yeah. Uh, talk to me about how frustrated I got, just as a creator of a podcast around <laughs> dating, for your co-host to get into a relationship in week three, I'm and then so not get sorry. out of that relationship. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like that was not ever intended. And, the, and people say this, right? Like people pop into your life at, at the most mm-hmm. unusual times. Jesus becomes no exception to this apocalypse of timing. Mm. Um, you know, I've I've really realized in in the last sort of lead up to the end of this podcast that you know Jesus's relationship with with his ex is not over. Um, the way forward of his life post that environment has not been determined and the carnage of hurt and the sort of the wasteland of where he's coming to terms with a new relationship is, is still something that needs to be waded through. And, and I've never really known if, if I was the person who had the courage or, or the responsibility even to, to, to wade through that. And I think one of the reasons it took me so long to commit to Jesus was because I was afraid that I, again, was the right girl at the wrong time. Mm. 
And I think we all got to listen to how it kept one foot out of the canoe, kept me skeptical, it stopped me from leaning in. And I think that that, you know, that is... That is just this almost Alanis Morissette irony of timing for me. But I, Kyle, I, I wanna, I wanna do better. I wanna, I, I want my last relationship scorecard update not to be about a man or someone else. I actually want it my update to be about me. So I'm just gonna grab the, I'm just gonna grab the box one more, just one last sure. final time here. Listen, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Just a second. Hold on. Here it comes. Getting it. I'm getting it. Cue the music. I'm starting to feel like maybe my greatest relationship is with myself. I have lost 66 pounds as we've recorded this podcast, and I haven't just let go of all of that fat. I also let go of so many things that were not serving me. I'm learning to be brave. I'm learning to face up to things I'm learning to be independent and I'm starting to wonder if maybe I have made a terrible mistake in how I define the idea of great love like you and I have talked that's the thing right it's two people in their 30s searching for love and 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 maybe love is falling in love with the places on this planet that I used to look at in books and know that they were just too far away for me to ever to visit that now I'm exploring in real life. Maybe it's being part of a community of friends who, and it seems so contrite to say, but see the version of me that I most want to project into the world. And, you know, lately I've started to really wonder if, you know, maybe my great love is is something totally different than I think it is. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, somewhere out there, you know, the the love of a child who's waiting for me to, to to find them and and wondering why I'm wasting all of my time trying to define love in these in these pedestrian terms and I'm missing out on the on the great love of my life. And for me, I'm starting to become more confident that the the love that I have to offer and I'm starting to be become more clear in what I'm manifesting and how utterly protective I'm becoming about people and things and and situations that want to characterize me as something other than what I am, which is someone who has an extraordinary and consistent and generous and brave love to give because I have not been easy in relationships, but I have loved men to fulfill them and fuel them to their full potential. I have loved men in a way that has changed the course of their lives and the course of mine. And I know that that is a gift. And now I have to look at what that gift really means, understand how valuable it is and put it in a place where it belongs. And that is what I want to say as my final relationship update. And now you have to help me down because as per usual, this stool was too tall. All right. Well, it wouldn't be our podcast without one of us crying. So that's... I did not cry. I did not. (laughs) I want it to be on the record that I am not crying today. I am not going to cry today. That's your job, dude. I'm not crying. You're not crying. You're crying. So as beautiful as those words are, I still don't think I'm confused. Like, what is your status with Jesus? <laughs> I, don't, I still don't know what it is. You don't know status. what it is, is what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know. Status is no status. Again, it's just left unfinished. Talk about edging. Yeah, okay. Well, well that's the way we're going to call this episode, I guess. It's like your last edging. <laughs> <laughs> God, please don't call it that. Please don't call it that. 
But, you know, we're in a process of, of leaving this podcast behind. And, you know, whenever you move, Kyle, you've moved once. I've moved a thousand times. And you always have that final box of stuff, right? You got to mm-hmm. keep, toss or donate. And uh, that is really what makes up this final fishbowl here that I'm going to sort of pass between us. Excellent. Well, let me pull this fishbowl here towards me. I'll just take out my keys and... Um, this is... Oh my, Jen, this is so embarrassing. These haven't even been my keys. I don't know whose keys these even are. <laughs> I'm going to pocket them anyways. Maybe they'll come in handy. After a lot of talking, my partner and I decided to issue each other a hall pass. I decided to use mine. When I told my partner about it, she revoked it. Am I in the wrong for wanting to use it, or is she in the wrong for revoking it? I love this question so much. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my gosh. But I want to hear what you think first, Jen. What do you think? Okay. First of all, I think we should define what the hall pass is. Thank you. I was going to say the same thing. A hall pass is defined as your one sort of, um, like free pass to either have a romantic relationship or usually just a one night stand Mm -hmm. with someone else it's it's a hall pass in my opinion it's usually that one night stand idea like that is that's what i know it as that's what i know it as is it's just like listen if you want to be with this if ryan gosling came up to you and he said let's let's bone down that's right well i have my pass so i can do this that's right someone from your fuck it list arrives and the way you can the way you can get it so i just want to say that to me this falls into the same category as those pathetic and they're usually, I don't want to pick on women, but they're usually women. It's this pathetic act of giving coupons. Have you ever seen this? This just makes my whole like extreme body. Couponing? Cr- no, it, it's, oh. these, it just makes my whole body cringe when I say it, that there's women who are in relationships who I think, you know, just give up and they present and it's usually to their boyfriend. They oh, present you're like one free back rub or whatever it is. One free back rub, yeah, one yeah, free yeah. blow job, one, one, na, 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 um, one get out of jail free. So I have to think of a new gift to give you this Christmas <laughs> is what you're That's saying. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> I have to just say, like, I just think it is the the most ridiculous thing. Like, here's the bunch of coupon. Oh, my God. I, just, I, I hate it. I think it's so sad. But yeah. So like, to me, I feel like it falls into the same category that like you give it. And then when someone goes to redeem it, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> I just feel like I'm, that's usually how that works I'm out. Like, I'm, I don't want that. Listen, you give it. You got to honor it. You got to honor it. I think you got to honor it. So I think she is in the wrong for revoking it. And I think that's all I wow. have to say about that. If you give it. You, I, I honestly thought we were going to fight about this because I'm completely in agreement with you. There's, hey. only, there's only one small caveat to this that I will okay. say. This is why we, I always want more information from the from the questions that are sent in. But if you both agreed to this, like, hey, we're each giving each other a hall pass. Yes. Here are our hall passes. And then you have the opportunity to do that. And, the, and then she says no. Yeah, I'm not about that. But there is a difference between like if her hall pass is like The Rock and yours is Cindy from next door. There is a bit of a power <laughs> imbalance there with what you are with what you are setting out. So I wonder if there was not those expectations set. Like, this yeah, is a, poor like, fine print. Mm-hmm. Poor fine print. I have to just say that to prove that the 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 fuck it list doesn't work. I remember when I was when I was married and he was like, OK, tell me who's on your on your list. And I was like, oh, that's easy. Uh, Steve Carell, mm-hmm. John Stewart, uh, Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. Jonathan Reese Myers and your brother. <laughs> and he's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because the minute you make it something feasible, the whole yeah. thing 
becomes a ridiculous proposition. And that Mm. was the point I was trying to prove is like, you know, this is this is all fun and whatever. But if you're talking about a hall pass, you're talking about the ability to redeem an opportunity to do something outside of the guise of a normal, typical nuclear relationship. Well, I think that's the other thing that's pretty clear. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that's not being said here is that the vast, vast majority of time when the hall pass is brought up is such a flight of fancy. That's like, wouldn't it be hilarious yes, if Scarlett Johansson came up and this was something that she would want to do with me? So it's, it almost takes it out of the realm of possibility and it's just complete uh-huh. fantasy. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have that person. I have my person. It's never going to happen. It becomes very, very different when, yeah, it's very tangible and you're picking like real people in your lives. Like that yeah, gets the re- a little bit dicey. The redemption of a hall pass is a huge red flag because if mm. like imagine this conversation and he's like, hi, I'm going to redeem my hall pass. And she's like, with whom? And he's like, I don't know anybody but you. (laughs) Then that's a red flag. Like that's a different conversation you have to happen. So I think they might be fighting down the wrong demon between like who's in the wrong. I think there's a bigger question of maybe why do you want to redeem this hall pass? Yeah. Yeah. I also want to revoke it. I also have to say, it does also depend on how long you and your partner have been together. If this is like (laughs) week three that you've been together, like hall pass. I'm like, okay, like this Uh, is is weird. That's right. Yeah, and what else is going on? Yeah. All right, let's grab the next one here. I got it. Can my relationship survive if my friend group disapproves? Hmm. I mean, oh boy. Can my relationship survive? I'm going to, I'm going to honestly, I'm going to say no. I, I think that you can kind of make it semi wobble along for a bit. But if your entire friend group is like, nope, not the one, honey, I think that it just gets harder and harder and harder. Because either you're separating yourself from that group more and more and more, or you're just getting into these awkward situations where you can just like feel the hatred radiating off of them every time you go and hang out with them. So I just don't think it can. Family would be easier. I think family would be easier. Yeah, I'm not gonna make a Meghan Markle comment because I make one every week. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take the bait. For someone you don't like, you certainly bring her up all the time. Can I just say that? <laughs> I just. She just drives me crazy. Um, because she's isolationist, and I and I think that that's a huge red flag, right? You know, I I do share your point of view that your family has ideation of what you are, but I think your friends truly know you, mm-hmm. and I think if your friends friend group doesn't approve, that there's something about this relationship that they see that you don't. I think it can survive, but it's a very lonely road. And with so many fish in the sea, I don't know. I don't know. I've been in relationships where they haven't approved of my of my partner. But you always have to look at so many of the context- to contextual things, right? Like, do you only ever just shit on your partner and never talk mm. about the good things? Do you phone 75 people every time something goes wrong, but you don't phone any anybody when something goes right? Like, you also have to check your own behavior, right? Like, how public are you making the inner workings of your relationship? Like, how much are you giving an opportunity for your friend group to see both sides of things? I think that matters more than we give it credit for. But all in all, if they're objective friends who ask good questions and look at both sides and believe in the benefit of the doubt and they still don't like it, I don't I don't know. I think a relationship can survive, but I don't think it's a healthy relationship. You need a community. You need a community. Imagine dating Legolas and I never meet him. Right. Imagine dating. Oh, you're never going to meet him. I should just point ah, that out. Okay. All right. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> next question. By the way, this is a complete aside because this is our last episode. I don't mind revealing this. You and I went and saw a movie the other night. Uh, yes, Vengeance, B.J. Novak, yes. uh, written and directed movie. Yes, phenomenal film. Yeah, I really liked it. So 
before the movie because I got there so dumb early, so stupid early. Anyways, I was walking around the little cute Kensington area, went to this cute little bookshop and was wandering around. I was like, oh, that thing we talked about. So I, I text him. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Like, was waiting for a movie, waiting for my friend to show up. How's it going? And he's like, later on the next day, he's like, so were you like trying to invite me out that night? I'm like, oh. No, I was not at all. Oh, I was not? I was just texting you to like see what was going on. So just, just know that you got me in trouble, Jen, oh, for inviting wow. me out to a movie. Yeah, what else is new? What else is new? All right, what else we got in the bowl? I, a 28 male, am dating an awesome girl, also 28. Everything tracks. Ooh, she's smart, driven, funny, supportive, kind, generous. She's she's like everything you could want. But oh, cool. But. Yeah. I'm not physically attracted to her. Can this work? Should I pursue a relationship or not? Oh, Jen. I will not miss these questions. These are the questions I will not miss. No, it's got to be the whole thing. It's got to be the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, looks fade, Jen. You're not going to be so like uh, sexually attracted to your partner for the entire life of the, of the relationship. No, but you have to have it in the beginning. Hmm. You have to have it in the beginning. Sorry. Can't wake up in the morning and roll over and go, gee, I wonder how much longer before my looks fade. So this is better. You just can't. You just can't. You got to have the whole package. Plus, think about it from the other side. We never think about this from the other side. Like that girl rolls over and she's like, this guy really loves me, but he does not think I'm pretty. Yeah, I feel like Yuck. they're going to pick up on that. They're, they're going to yeah. know that. No, it, it's got to be, like um, be sparks fly on all fronts. Sorry. I actually agree with this. Boy, we're agreeing a lot this episode. This is very not our podcast. But um, I agree. And it sucks, right? Because it's like, oh, everything else is right for me. I think where this can be different, and I think one of the things maybe we never properly investigated on this show, we're two people that um, are sexually active and, and prize having sex in the relationship. But one of my favorite films that came out here in the last few years is this film called Straight Up. Have you ever heard of this movie? No, I haven't. It's so small. I think it's still on Netflix. Regardless, I I call it the uh, a romantic romantic comedy because it, that's oh. exactly what it is. It's a person. It's a guy who falls in love with a woman but never wants to have sex. He just doesn't like having sex. Um, and so it's like, and how does how, she feel about that? Well, that's that's the whole movie that I don't want to spoil. And that's how they get into a fight because romantically they are the perfect match. They match everything. They love hanging out with each other. They love being with each other. They love spending time with each other. They do want to do everything with each other. They support each other. Like they're everything they want, but they don't want to have sex with each other. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to spoil the ending about what eventually oh, transpires. But like to me, that's just a friend. That's sure, a quintessential but, definition of a friend. But but that's what I mean when we talk about asexuality or aromantics or anything mm. like that, where it's like sex isn't the important thing in the relationship. Like looks really aren't the important thing for for those people sex or attraction because they're not mutually exclusive from one another true enough true true enough but i think that for you and i we do prize maybe looks and sexual attraction more because of you know our sexualities it's just like who we are but i don't think that's what this person falls into like he says straight up that he does not find her attractive um but i just wanted to pay service to the fact that looks are not the most important thing for every single person going into a relationship. And then if that's the case, great. In this case, I think it's just going to weigh on you. I think the longer yeah. you stay in this relationship, even though she's hitting her. all your emotional needs, it's going to get to a point where like, I need something else yep. in this. And it's, just, and it's going to be bad for her. I think it's going to be worse for her. Yeah. Um, I just think it's not fair to her. This reminds me so much of that classic, like 
almost trope, but you know, people in the forties who got married, who you could tell hated each other uh, <laughs> yeah. later on in life. Like you see two 80 year olds and they just hate each other. <laughs> That's right. It's so awful. Like, Shut up, Harold. <laughs> You're yeah. like, Oh God. Uh, I found the one. Mm. I'm the one for her and she's the one for me. And we've been together for three years. I love her. I can't imagine any part of my life without her. I just know she is the one. But we're 18. Should we get married? <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? Should they get married? But we're 18. Should we get married? <sighs> well, luckily, I don't have to read the letters that people are going to write in to me here. I, I was say, just going to say, let her rip because we don't care. What fuck you think. no. I say no. I actually think it should be illegal for people to get married at 18 years old. I don't think you should allow it to happen. No, I don't think you should. Even if you are like the most in love with this person, I'm not saying break up, still be there, nurture the relationship. I feel like you need to be at least 25. This is my bold proclamation. You should be at least 25 before you even entertain the idea of marrying someone. Says the old man who's never been in a long relationship. I realize <laughs> yeah. how ridiculous this sounds. Um, oh, so okay. How old were you when you first got married, Jen? 25. See, 25. See, I'm ready. right. 25 is when and you should get married. And I was not married. ready. So, okay, this is, this is my, um, I think you're wrong. I think uh, what's the worst that can happen if they know it and they love it and they want to explore it? A lifetime it. of pain uh, and regret. That's what it. could happen. You know what? This is... I don't, maybe my view of marriage is so skewed, so skewed, but I'm starting to think that first marriages are like pancakes. There's nothing wrong with throwing the first one out if it's weird. But I, I think if they wanted to give it a go, give it a go. I mean, three years, if they know, she knows they're in the throes of love and they want to try to make it work, go for it. If it doesn't work out, it probably wouldn't have worked out if they waited or who's to say that they won't get into another relationship at 25 and that doesn't work. I mean, if you want it, Go get it. Fine. Look at this. Sign a prenuptial agreement right now is what oh I say. Oh my God. They're 18 years old. They probably don't have a buffalo nickel between them. But I, I think go for it. Go for it. And I'll even officiate. I'm, <laughs> I think I'm certified. You're free. But at 18, yeah. what do you care? I'm free. So there you go. Caleb, go get it. All right. Well, my question is this. I, a 22-year-old male, have heard you both talk about how dangerous ultimatums are and how we should all work to avoid them. But let's be honest, ultimatums are sometimes unavoidable. Sometimes there are just moments where we have to test if the relationship can get closer to the needs and dreams of one or the other. So, when faced with an ultimatum, what are the true rules of engagement? What should be our ultimatum on ultimatums, Jen? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably an indicator of why this podcast is coming to a close because I just, I want to give the advice of if you're at an ultimatum, just leave. <clears throat> I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how to manage ultimatums. I never have. When we talked about ultimatums in that episode, you could just see me scrambling. So it's nice to see that beast being haunted in this final fishbowl. But, but to be fair, haven't you yourself issued ultimatums before? Yeah. And it always is bullshit because I can't do the one thing that all ultimatums need to do, which is that if they don't abide by it, you have to have the courage to issue the consequence mm. that you said you would. Maybe that's the rule of engagement that I suck at is that you know, if you're less like, okay, it's either me or this situation. And they're like, uh, situation. And I'm like, okay, well, it can still be me because I don't have any courage. I, you, that's, Do you hear I something else I have like no, have to... no authority over, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's like those really bad parents who are like, if you don't, if you go up those stairs, <laughs> totally. you're going to get in trouble. If you touch that thing, you're going to get in trouble. If you do that thing and nothing and ever there's happens, no follow through. there's no follow there's no through. Follow through. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to have the courage that you have to, it's, it's like the whole pass. 
if you're going to issue it, you got to see it through. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is to say like, okay, listen, I'm putting it all out on the line. And then I think you have to choose your ultimatum sparingly, like pick your pick your hill you're going to die on, right? I think it has to be about things that if this impasse isn't met, the relationship or a person stops thriving. I think we think of relationships like plants, if they're if they're not growing, they're dying, then ultimatums have to be those points to which you're totally stagnant and you either have to grow or die. So I think pick your moments and then be prepared to be that that partner slash parent that sees it through. That is like, okay, listen, it it didn't, and I'm sticking to my guns, and we've reached the end. I really hope it is an ultimatum on hall passes. That would be so perfect if that's what it <laughs> was. That would be perfect. Uh, this is my always hardest part about ultimatums as well, which is what exactly is the ultimatum? Because I honestly think this is like a by a scenario, like, what am I trying to say? By like case by case basis. Case by case scenario. Thank you. That's exactly the word. This is a case by case scenario type of thing, right? Which is like, well, if you don't have sex with me six times a week, then I'm out. Which I'm like, okay, buddy, like, let's, I'm 39. But if it's, if it's, I don't know, like really, really big things like, hey, I want to have kids. And if we don't have kids in the next year, then we should probably end the relationship now. That's kind of something that you both have to kind of come to the conclusion of together to go forward. Agreed. It is on a case by case basis, but I still think that my rules of engagement apply regardless. All right. I can't believe you guys have gone a year without talking about intellectual compatibility. I can't believe that no one has written in about it. My question is this. Can a relationship survive if there is, and I'm sorry to word it this way, one person who is smart and one who's a little, you know, dim? I struggle with this a lot because... Oh, this is going to make me sound like the worst person in the world. I've gone on dates with like this before where I either say something or reference something and you're like, what? Huh? And I have to like, oh God, okay, let me step back. Let me explain exactly what I'm trying to say. Or, you know, the people are like, I don't read books. And it's like, okay, can I, can I survive Mm. this? Which makes me sound like the worst person in the world. I hate when I have to say that out loud, but it really does make me sound like so shallow. I think you can. I think it really actually depends on what you mean by dim. Or for when it goes like really low class, you're stupid. Because if someone is not quote unquote like book smart, let's just say, but is extremely knowledgeable in like what they do for a living, what they do for a living or like how to fix a car or whatever it happens. And they're super intelligent there. That can be very attractive to me. It's like, Oh, I love it. When you talk about this thing that you are super passionate about, I don't care if you don't know about all this other stuff. I can only speak for myself. Being smart in and of itself is not what I'm looking for, but uh, curiosity is if there's a lack of curiosity to want to know new things, that's an immediate turnoff for me. So I don't know. That's, well, that's my answer, I think. You know, I want to talk about the inherent gender bias that comes with this question, which I think comes with this question. So like for me, like I, there are lots of things I don't know how to do. Like I will stand and look at my vehicle for 10 minutes. And even though I've been the owner of it for 10 years, I'm like, how do I pop this hood again? I'm just reefing on it to try to find the little handle. Like there's lots of things I don't know how to do. Lots of things I can't figure out. I'm currently learning about cryptocurrency because I'm like, I don't know what that is whoa and i well, we and, did dodge a bullet in two weeks jen we've been talking about nfts on this podcast <laughs> that's right that's right but i i have found that when when people are like you know where'd you go to school and i'm like oh i went to johns hopkins and harvard and oxford they're like oh so you're like smart 
I'm like, well, I'm smart in that area that I studied. Yeah. Sure. And I find that often men are like, oh, so you like think you're smarter than me. <laughs> or the new thing lately has been like, oh, that, that tracks. That's white privilege. Those two things have manifested itself. And I find that sometimes there are moments where I have been on, I have been on dates and that it's almost been like, can I best this Harvard person? Like, oh, you, oh, I thought you were smart. Like there's been like this sort of almost like a defeatist mentality of like, I can, I can prove that you're just, you're not as bright as, as right, I probably yeah. have manufactured and constructed in my mind. Well, that's, I mean, that is insecurity on their part though, too. That is huge insecurity on your part. And I find that like, that there is a, a quantifiable difference between like men who see that as an attractive quality and men who are like, okay, I'll go down this path because I have an ulterior motive to best it or, or prove that I don't have an issue with it. And you're like, Hey, listen, man don't have to wrestle down this dragon we can just not go on another date like that's fine but i have found that in 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 the last little bit it's been like well you know you've been extorted afforded these extraordinary opportunities you know how many people aren't and i'm like yeah no i'm incredibly aware of the of the of the disparity in education but i also am not going to apologize for having great opportunities to to amass huge amounts of student loan debt Mm -hmm. and uh and and so i i feel like there's there's a there's an inherent gender bias there that 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 comes up. Now, I am incredibly attracted to people who are smart. Probably more than the way they look is I'm incredibly attracted to people who are smart and who know what to do with that smart and have manifested that smart into something. I find that is incredibly incredibly attractive to me. So, what I would look like in a relationship with a person who maybe is like, "Oh, you care about politics?" like Trump, hey? I'd be like, oh God, I don't know what to do with this. So I don't know if it's like a, can it survive or do you want it to survive? Like, what are you going to talk about? Because as we would say to that other guy, once your relationship, once the looks fade, you're just left with that person who's like, I don't read the newspaper. It makes me sad. Makes us all sad, Brian. We still got to read it. Totally get where you're coming from. This is not really in the, in the smarts category at all. But anytime I let loose is like, I'm a big movie fan. I like watching a lot of stuff. Invariably, that means like, oh yeah, like I love insert latest Marvel film here, which I like. I've gone and seen too, but it's like, oh boy, yeah. okay, yeah. But you have to realize that dating me means that you're also going to watch like a 1930s like neo noir or German expressionist. You're going to have to watch that seven hour Japanese subtitled movie. Yeah, yeah. You're going to yeah. sit down and watch Sergei Bondarchuk's War and Peace. It's a seven hour film. Yeah. And I'm going to love it. Yep. And you're going to be like, why am I dating this person? <laughs> that yeah. is what's going to happen. So when I say I like movies, it's not like I like one type. I like everything. Um, but to, to kind of rope it back to, to this smarts thing or to, you know, intellect and stuff like that, I think it can go the other way, too. I think some people get so in it like I'm a smart person. Right. And then they have to like show off like how smart they are. And I also oh, find yeah. that I hate Ego. that, too. Like Ew, I, that, I find that such a turn too. off. It's like, I'm going to use these, uh, you know, five syllable words in my sentence to show you how smart I am. And I'm sitting there and be like, you could have said that cleaner and better. <laughs> just be more to the point. Yeah. I just, because I've mentioned my mom in this podcast a lot, we'll give mom one final shout out. My mom used to just say to me, I didn't have any opportunities to be educated. If you ever come home from college and you ever make someone feel small because they haven't had the same mm-hmm. opportunities that you've had, I we will you, parts of your body will be scattered around this city. They'll never find who did it. And I think I always <laughs> had that inherent risk around the dangers of being like elitist or gluttonous. If you approach your opportunities and your intellect with grace and you want it to be shared and like, hey, I learned this thing and we're better because we both know this and I have something to contribute to the conversation. 
I think so long as there's no ego or hierarchy with it. Um, yeah, we've all dated that jerk, that mm-hmm. jerk who is like, look how smart I am and how dumb you are. And it's like, oh man. My, my favorite part of, uh, of how that uh, showcases itself is when someone's like, will use like a word or an expression or a reference. And, and then they're like, what this means. And they start to explain to me like, I know what it means. I like, you don't mean you don't have to explain it to me. I know what it means. <laughs> oh, God. Ugh. Jen, um, can I uh, can I tell you a secret? Yes, I have the juiciest thing to ask you. OK. Can you love someone who gossips? No. <laughs> Sorry. Is that too eager? Is that too eager? No, no, you can't. Because people who gossip are not honest. And they're not faithful and they're not loyal. They look for information as a commodity. And if they gossip about someone else, they'll gossip about you. I do not believe you can be in a functional, positive, healthy relationship with someone who gossips. How do you make that distinction between I'm giving you information, relevant information, or I just need to vent versus gossiping? Well, look at your day-to-day conversations on the whole. Do you talk about people or do you talk about things? If you're always talking about people, you're gossiping. What if I think people are things? Is that a red flag? (laughs) I like the way you want to walk yourself out of this question. What do you think? Can you be in a relationship with someone who gossips? It really depends on what we're talking. Again, definition of terms is important here. The way that you have defined this, I would say no. I think I would find that a little bit too exhausting. Well, you'd just be like, why do you care? (laughs) Right. Well, that would be me. Because I yeah. cannot stand acting like high school. <laughs> like it just drives me up the wall. I don't want to get too behind the scenes of this podcast, but there was something you asked me to do via text last night. Uh, and you're just like, can you do this? And I was like, I don't even want to know the backstory to this. So I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to do what you asked me to do because I don't want to be dragged into it because this sounds like drama. And there's one thing I don't want, which is drama because it doesn't affect me. I don't care. I don't even want to know the backstory. And that's kind of And this is me loving you. I didn't even give Mm -hmm. you the backstory. I was just like, can you do this thing for me? Thank you. And Mm -hmm. good night. So uh, because that is my personality, because if you're like, can you believe that Sheila did this thing? I'm like, I don't. I don't even know who Sheila is. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't. Is it affecting me somehow? Like, is it like, really? Is it like, is it? How is this going to affect me? (laughs) Do you do this because reading the newspaper is hard? I once had someone say that to their partner. Do you do this because reading the relation, reading the newspaper is hard? It was like, oh, 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 oh. And they're still together to this day. Okay. It's very awkward. All right. Last question. Are you Mm -hmm. ready? This is the last question of the fishbowl. Our whole year we've done this. Okay. I'm not going to get complacent. Here we go. Okay, Jen and Kyle. <laughs> what is the worst relationship advice you've ever heard? A good friend of mine once told a couple of 18-year-olds that they should get married. And uh, <laughs> I think... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, my easiest answer to this, I'm not even going to say the guy's name but he's been making headlines because of him being kicked off tiktok but uh the idea that men should never show emotion in front of women i think is like the most ridiculous and toxic thing i've ever heard in my entire life that's mine (sighs) i mean not near me don't cry near me obviously (laughs) but mine is you do good um, at patting my head and you're like they're there (laughs) you've never shown emotion whatever ever whatever that's that's where we're at. I think the, the worst relationship I've, I've ever heard is when, you know, it's bad and people are suffering and people are struggling and somebody just says, stick with it. <laughs> just stick with it. 
It'll get and better. You just think, It'll get better. I just think to stick with it is 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 kind of doesn't give credit for how long we live now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give credit for how much we evolve and change as people. And it doesn't really give credit for people who want to take a step back and say, this is hard for me, but this is very hard for a person that I love who I think would do better with another partner. And I think that's been a theme that I've drug into this podcast a lot is how transactional I think love can be or should be maybe is the idea that, you know, can we have one partner for forever? I, I'm, I'm not sure. But the idea that we would stick it in because we made a commitment to do so, but it's now become a commitment to misery, I think is the worst relationship advice you can give. If you're stronger and you're better apart, then that's okay. You celebrate the gifts that you had when you were together, the joy that you had when you were together, but you don't let the end, the agony of the end, define the goodness of the beginning and the middle. Well, that was our very final fishbowl of this podcast. But this means that we should go on to our burning question. The uh, question so good it burns a little. No, that's what it was our tagline. That is it. That is it. The question's so good it burns a little. Ow! Great. Hold that out. So after 52 episodes, uh, we thought it would be a good idea to do some, you know, decompression around what we've learned um, on our journey to find love. Uh, So for me, I want to take just a moment of like, Kind of going past, present, future, you know, I don't know how often we mention this on the podcast, but this entire thing started via a text that Jennifer Sanford sent to me, which I think just amounted to like, we need to talk with no follow up. And of course, I'm like, oh, my God, like she or she's dying or something like that. Like, that's what <laughs> this yeah, text message that means. Sounds right. And so I being severely underdressed, met her at a pub. <laughs> downtown calgary or just outside and of downtown due to calgary COVID, we had to sit outside and we it was had to sit so outside and i was cold. shivering this shivering the entire time and you presented me this fact is like i think we should do a podcast together and it should be about dating and me like an idiot said like sure let's do it not Great. really understanding the the commitment that that really was but i don't think i was fully prepared until uh, we started doing like the first couple episodes and we actually had to re-record the first episode. A little fun fact for people. <laughs> yes, we did. If yes, you go and listen to the first few episodes, especially, I think you will hear the abject terror inside of my voice, mostly because people were asking questions and Jenny were asking me questions. I was like, I've never had experience with any of this. I have such a limited dating pool. I've had like three people that I consider like I dated before in my entire life. I'm like, I don't talk about unqualified. There's no way I should be answering these questions. But what what happened was like, okay, let me just answer these from the heart and what, what I really do think at this point in my life. But then also what started to happen, and maybe this is maybe not the best motivation, which is like, well, we need content. So I need to go on dates. <laughs> yes. So yes, that I, was a real reality for both mm-hmm, of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded all the dating apps again and I really, really made a push to be like, send messages, like match with people, go on dates, have stories I could bring, bring to the show, the highs, the lows, all that, all that thing. And so I think what, what happened is that it certainly pushed me to experience quicker, like, I liked, what I didn't like, what I was willing to put up with, what really are red flags to me and what my own red flags are that I'm giving off to other people, like what my own like feelings are, what I need to do to find the love that I need and, uh, you know, have breakdowns in the middle of New York City, you know, all that good stuff. And that's that's <laughs> what I'm going to carry going forward. I think that what the, the beauty of what this show has done for me is 
uh, allowed me to better clarify what it is that I'm looking for, which I wouldn't have been able to do 52 weeks ago. And it, it feels like I'm on the cusp of something, but I, I've deluded myself in the past before. So who really knows? Anyways, that's, that's kind of a quick wrap up. How about you, Jen? What have you learned over the last 52 weeks? Well, I think it all kind of came together. I, I, thinking about this because I just was like, oh, I got to say something bright. And then it really all, it's amazing how things kind of come together. You know, when I had that particularly rough go in the spring um, and I had sort of talked about how I felt like the bottom was falling out from underneath everything, you said to me, like, why is it that you have to rely on someone for support? Like, why can't you be self-reliant? And I have to say that it nearly, it nearly broke me because I realized how much I didn't just want a partner to love me. I wanted a partner to bear witness to my life, to be there to say that, you know, who I was and what I was and what I was becoming mattered. And very quickly with the simple comment that you made, I started to realize how absolutely insane and how totally, utterly irresponsible it was to put that on a person. Like, think about this. It's like, hi, I'm Jen. I'm going to love you and you're going to validate my existence. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's bonkers. And these were the relationships that I was building consecutively one after another. And then having the audacity to wonder why these men weren't living up to my expectations. It's just absolutely nuts. It's absolutely nuts when you look at it from that lens. And I think that that simple statement that you made, you know, had probably the greatest impact on my life, um, on the, my 39 years on this planet. And it was such a flippant comment. Through these last 52 weeks, I think I've learned to be brave. I've learned a lot of things about myself and I've really learned how little I suffer fools. I think I really have learned that, that I just had this moment where um, I, I just decided that I love being in pursuit. You talked about being a person who loves things and wanting to draw people in who are lovers of things. Mm-hmm. And I totally think that it wasn't just me. It was a community that surrounded us that was like, oh my God, isn't that just the thing? Isn't that just the thing? I think a final thing that I learned, a third thing that I learned, if I'm talking about setting different expectations and learning about where my boundaries were, I think the last thing is that I have no regrets over these 52 weeks that we've spent together. I am happy that we did this. I can't believe you committed to doing it. Like this really proves that the greatest negotiation tactic you have is hypothermia because I think you had no choice to be like, if I don't say yes, she's going to keep talking until I'm going to die out here. Um, so I'd like to thank, you know, cool temperatures uh, for, for that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I just you know, want my I mozzarella do... sticks. That's all I want. <laughs> right. Yes. That are frozen. I share a lot of the thoughts that we've heard from our community that this is crazy, that this is ending. I still have those 2 a.m. panic moments that this maybe is premature to let go of this. But, you know, I have I have strikingly no regrets over over these of this year that we've spent together. And Mm -hmm. and I'm proud of what we made and I'm proud of the community that followed us. And and I'm I'm hard pressed to look at it any other way. As far as each other goes, we learn from each other or about each other. You are definitely far dirtier than what I anticipated. Um, No, (laughs) you have to realize, too, again, pulling the curtain back. The very, very first time I met Jennifer Sanford was in the business context. Yes. And I felt like I was like, had embarrassed myself because there was this whole like miscommunication about the entrance she was supposed to go in. It doesn't really matter. It was Long, like no big story. deal. That's all you guys need to know is there's no big I know, deal. But me being super embarrassed. And here was this person who was like 
super on the ball, knew what she wanted, was able to communicate it clearly. I'm like, I'm bumbling around trying to make things work. Not true. <laughs> and uh, anyways, and then I learned a little bit more about you. You told me how like into politics and conservative and stuff you were, which basically meant like, oh, she wants me dead. So that was like my, <laughs> that's, that's possible. That was, that was my bias. I should just point out that was totally my bias. So the fact that you kept wanting to talk to me just felt like, what is up with this person? What's going on? So there's that. So it was great to uncover a little bit more about you as a person and your backstory and your, your struggles and your successes. And then just so the illusion is broken even more, I just wrote some stuff down here. So this is me um, uh, wanting to make sure my words are right. But uh, so you, Jen, definitely pushed me out of my shell, both for the good and the bad. You know, I never have downloaded Grindr. I would never have gone on so many dates in this past year. I wouldn't have discovered what I really want as quickly had it not been for this podcast. And for that, specifically, I'm going to be eternally grateful. And I found that in my co-host, that Jen was always prepared thoughtful, funny, and above all, open-hearted, even when she was completely wrong with the advice that she gave to me and to <laughs> others. Uh, but this was such a fun year. You know, we went to plays, to psychics, had breakdowns, and hopefully built each other up to be the best that we could possibly be. And I'm still on my quest to find love. But for once, I feel like I'm close. So that's what I wrote down here today. But we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> not friends. Friendship not happening. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. You know, I uh, I think it was Shakespeare who said, "Thank you for being a friend." Traveled down the road and back again. <laughs> You're a heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. confidant. I think yeah. that was. Yeah, I think that was. Um. Yeah. You Mary know, Wives I, of Windsor actually. Great, <laughs> that's great right. I thought it was Macbeth, but when I was um really thinking about the end of this podcast i people said like are you going to be able to let go and i said um you know i think i can let go of of you know the awesome responsibility of giving completely unqualified advice but i can't lose kyle um you know i can't thank you enough for the last year i i really think to be brief you brought me back to life i think that in the moments where i was lost and struggling and suffering and trying to find this version of myself that I knew was in there. You allowed me to be vulnerable by being vulnerable yourself. There's something incredibly powerful about the moments this year that um, you just tried to be brave and you knew that Kyle Marshall was standing to the left. I, my extraordinary thanks. And as a podcast partner, you know, you're a fucking mess. You're never prepared. You were late. You <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. So true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, you always... um. You always lifted your end and um, it is the quintessential definition that, you know, uh, two people can lift a couch anywhere and one person can't take it any, any place. And the lift of this podcast and the lift of the exploration of the two of us within this podcast would not have been possible if you hadn't have lifted your end. And when I wasn't able, lifted both ends. And um, I am, I'm just, I'm just better. I'm just better because I know you. I'm just better. And everyone is better. And when I think about your journey ahead of you to find love, I hope that you always begin with the knowledge that you are an extraordinary human and whoever finds you has to, has to live in the image that you are extraordinary uh, or I will kill them. <laughs> Thank you. That's very sweet. Just as an FYI to anyone that's listening out there, please don't ask me to move your couch. I just, oh I yeah, totally. It. We don't want to move your shit. We don't want to move your shit. Of course, there's other people that we need to thank other than each other 
you know, it, they, the, the cliche is that it takes a village and it really does take a village to make a podcast work. So we want to thank all of those who invested in the success of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I personally would like to thank Spanx and Major Toms for keeping me going in that order. Um, I also want to give a great big shout out to CJSW Radio 90.9, who gave us a home and found us this great community and campus radio audience uh, to be part of our podcast and really set us on fire. And we're so so grateful to them and and everything that they did. Thank you, of course, to the community of listeners who tuned in, who engaged, and who asked questions. Absolutely. You know, I want to give a, Kyle and I both, but me especially, I want to give a shout out to every person who was mentioned in this podcast and who took it in stride. You know, when you find love, you have to look at how your construct of love was created. So I think both Kyle's parents and my parents really, uh, you sort of had to take it a little bit. You know, former partners, people who who reached out, I, you know, a friend who glued her vagina to the bathtub that then had to hear that story repeated by mm-hmm. me on this podcast, who still took it in stride and was like, yeah, we're still friends. Um, and, um, and, you know, even, you know, Kyle and I just to pull that curtain right back, you know, even uh, in our episode about ghosting, I talked about, you know, a, a man who I love dearly, who ghosted me, reached out and said, there's, there's, there's more to that and, and, and more to say. And, and, and so, you know, really, people understanding what we were trying to do here and getting behind it. Um, you know, you, you simply cannot, you cannot do a podcast like this without injecting parts of your life and, and yourself inside of it. Well, Jesus really is a saint then, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he sure is. Yeah. Probably a special shout out to, to Jesus. I don't, I don't know if I would have had the courage, honestly, Kyle, to get into a relationship with someone and then have them immediately tell you that they're going, that they're doing this podcast about relationships (laughs) and, you know, to give carte blanche in the way that Jesus did, I think is an extraordinary, almost saint like thing. I think it deserves mentioning all of the people who reached out to us on our social channels and sent us emails. We called them the disciples because they were really good about saying like, Mm -hmm. um, this is not a Jesus problem. This is a you problem. And, uh, absolutely accurate (laughs) absolutely an accurate assessment and um you know to have your relationship play out in in real time i think it takes a special a special human to do that and um and jesus was specifically that person so my my thanks my thanks to him for that and of course the last thing that i want to say is to all the people who had a problem with us fuck you I seriously mean that from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> from the bottom of our hearts, yeah. Remember that one woman who wrote us after, I don't know if we gave advice to her, like her partner or her son, and she was like furious about the advice mm-hmm. we'd given. And we're like, ma'am, this is a Friday night podcast by two people <laughs> who have other day jobs who are who say in every episode that this is unqualified. If, if this is not working for you, you need to kind of see it for what it is. Uh, yeah, we. This uh, is the Wendy's of podcasts, <laughs> and you have is, come through the drive-through. I don't know what exactly, you want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all those haters will be um, behind the bowling alley at seven thirty tonight. You can, you know, <laughs> meet you there. It'll be like West Side Story. <laughs> this, yeah, I'll be snapping. Kyle, again, I want to close with my thanks for you. This has been what a rocket of a ride, and uh, thank you, thank you so much for for doing this with me, Kyle. It's been great. So for one final time, all of you listening, whatever you do, however you find your pursuit of love, we wish you the very best. Please be safe out there. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.